What's your favorite Christian Bale comedy? American Psycho. That's not a comedy. Yes, it is. Hello, I'm L. And I'm O. And welcome to Cutthroat Cinema Podcast. Let's talk about American Psycho. Great movie. Absolutely. That has got to be one of our all-time favorite movies watching growing up. Yes. Yeah. And it's definitely a comedy movie. I mean, <laughs> it's definitely dark comedy, uh, dark comedic elements throughout the movie. Dark comedy, black comedy. What is how, how, What's it called? What a dark comedy called? Black comedy? Black comedy, yeah. dark comedy. Yeah, I don't think it matters. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed uh, rewatching for the first time in years uh, the other day when we decided we were going to do it for this podcast was that um, I laughed a lot. Yeah. I forgot how um, comedic it was. There's a lot of great lines in the movie and uh, Christian Bale's delivery is just like on point for every, not one falls flat, you know? No, no, and um, just um, the movie's constantly in between, like, psychoticness and comedy, and right from the start, the way the movie even opens up, you know, like, in the restaurant and the the raspberry sauce dropping, and you see it's meant to look like blood, and then you see the knife, but it cuts through meat is kind of like what you're going to get throughout the whole movie. You don't know if it's going to be, like... A darkly comedic scene or the violent murderous um you know psychopath psychopath yeah. christian uh patrick bateman mm -hmm. you know um yeah christian we're gonna be switching back between christian bale and patrick bateman because let's face it there's barely separating them in this movie you know it's really like it's a hell of a role where one of those things where like oh he's known for that thing but that's like what i know him as you know like Patrick Bateman is Christian Bale. Christian Bale is Patrick Bateman. Um, let's just get out of the way right now. If you haven't seen this movie, seen it, we're going to talk spoilers from the start. Very much so. Yeah. And um, we'll also be questioning like the, the reality. So a big part of this movie is its ambiguous ending in the book and in the movie. Both kind of leave it open to your own interpretation. And we'll get to a little bit what the director had to say as far as people's ideas about what her ambiguous ending mean. But let's start it off from the main theme sort of running through the movie is it's not just the ambiguity of the situ of the situation Patrick Bateman finds himself in, but how interchangeable almost every character is in the movie. Every guy that you see on film is just the same. They're all these good-looking yuppies. Wall Street. The, Wall the idea that the Wall Street guys were all the same and i mean that's the whole point of the th that's like the the theme of the movie the mistaken identity it, it, it's like it's the premise for the movie or one of them anyway that the mistaken identity like from the start in the restaurant scene as we open oh look there's um paul allen you know and bateman's like no paul allen's over there and then the um, camera pans to him right yeah, and, and paul allen's not even in the restaurant and and that we'll get to that theme later about the whole no, he was there. No, this one there. Everybody calls everyone from the wrong name. Right there in the start, they when they go to pay, um, you know, like you brought up, they're all vice presidents. And like I said, it's all the same card, same color. Yeah, the scene that he's referring to is the probably one of the better scenes in the movie is 
the card exchange scene. So we get to see um, Patrick Bateman's brand new business card in the color bone <laughs> and Syrian and uh, written in Syrian Braille, I, I believe is a, the font. And then it kind of like courses into this whole idea of like, well, my card should be better than his card. And I can't believe that my friend like likes his card more than mine. And then you see his breakdown of his character. Well, you see the breakdown of his character from the very start of the movie, but you just definitely start to see like the insecurity of the character of Patrick Bateman in that scene where he starts to get sweaty that even his coworker is like, are you feeling okay? <laughs> I mean, again, the absurdity of some of the scenes is also what makes this movie funny. Of course, still sick in a lot of its scenes, still dark, still horrific with a lot of the murders, but seeing Patrick Bateman lose his shit <laughs> because someone likes his uh, Paul Allen's card better than his. And, and yeah, and, and that scene also ties into the theme of identity in the movie as well, where Patrick Bateman's called Halberstrom by Paul Allen. Halberstrand, I think, uh, like that. Halberstrand, Halberstrand. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but the character of, uh, Paul Allen, played by Jared Leto, before he went crazy. Kidding, kidding. He calls Patrick Bateman Halberstrom. He talks about getting reservations at Dorcia, uh, which is the popular restaurant in the movie that everyone tries to, that Patrick Bateman himself tries to get uh, uh, reservations for, and it doesn't happen. It's just like you see the breakdown of like his own individuality and how he wants to fit in but at the same time wants to stand out and wants to be the favorite and like having that little something extra that everyone can like that he wants people to know about it and the problem is though i don't think patrick bateman stands out and i think that's the problem he has because like something i've noticed throughout the whole movie is one that as you'll see later on no one knows who he is mistaken identity um Something happens later on in the film where he's talking to his lawyer and the lawyer doesn't even realize who he is. Like the scene after the restaurant, they're in a club, the opening scene where they're in a club. He tells one of the, the waitresses um, like he wants to cut her up. He calls her an ugly bitch and he mm -hmm. wants to chop off her head and roll around in her blood. Yeah. Funny enough about that scene, there's a good slip of his Australian accent. <laughs> oh, was there? Yeah. I, I didn't catch it. <laughs> I was actually. watching it the other day. He, he goes into... Um, and it's something that happens a lot in the movie. It goes from his normal, normal self. He tells people he wants to kill them. He he says it to her, this like bartender. Yeah. He actually says it to Paul Allen when they're in that restaurant, when he takes him out before you know killing him. Uh, obviously in this restaurant that nobody they know attends, so that he can kill him. That he's absolutely psychotic, and he he says it to the. Um, I think the model later on in another club scene that he's into murders and executions. And she mistakenly uh, hears him as mergers mur and ac acquisitions. Right, right. Yeah. He um, he wants to, he, he technically like confesses throughout the movie that he's a psychopath and a killer and no one actually pays attention to him. So this idea that he wants to stand out, but nobody really cares. The, the, the prostitute call girls, you know, he's like, don't you want to hear my story? Like who I am? And they're like, no, not really. But, um, yeah, he, he, he doesn't stand out because he just has the same, they're all the same. They all look alike. Nobody really cares. They're just generic, generic. Yeah. They're all 
rich. They all buy the same suits. They all shop at the same places. Yeah, and like I said, he doesn't stand out as much as he wants to. And despite everything he tries to do, um, he does his little uh, narration at the beginning of the movie, the, his workout routine, his... Uh, his skincare. His skincare, which, uh, by the way, I... Um, and it's one of the reasons why I like Christian Bale, uh, his body transformations. Like I heard when he took that role, he was skinny, thin boy, you know, like looked like a boy. I mean, he had to bulk up a little bit. Yeah. 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 And not as much as like Batman. No, no. But, but from what I understand, it took him just a few short weeks to, to bulk up. And that's become Christian Bale's like, um, you know, recipe for, uh, yeah. you know, commitment. <laughs> Um, one part of the movie I, w- I really wanted to get into, and it's it's funny that you mentioned the the lack of his identity, like in the movie itself. Even in the scene where he's talking to like, th- not the the model in the club and stuff like that, and she says, and he says, "I'm into murders and executions," and she goes, "Oh, how do you think about that?" If you notice, his character perks up significantly. He like leans forward, he leans toward her, he goes, "Well, why do you ask?" You know, and then she realize she you know says, "Oh, because most people who, are, who who do mergers and acquisitions don't like it." And then he kind of like sits back. He's looking for something to make him stand out, and he thought maybe for a moment he had found something that let him stand out. There's a lot of insecurity in the movie itself. The way he brags about the the clothes he wears, even when he's comparing himself to Halberstrom, right? He says, he goes, Paul Allen has confused me for this other guy who... This dickhead. This dickhead who <laughs> works for this company, uh, Albert Halberstrom, uh, because we both wear Armani suits. We both have uh, the same glasses. We both actually have the same position. We even they go to the same barber, but I have a slightly better haircut. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's so insecure in, his, in the movie. Even the scene with the hookers, right, where he asks them aren't you curious as to what I do? And they're like, no. And then she does ask him like, oh, how much does the apartment? And he's like, well, it's none of your damn business, right. but I can guarantee you it's a lot of money. So there's a lot of insecurity that you feel coming from his character too. This, oh, I want to fit in, but at the same time, he so desperately wants to stand out. And there's a there's a point in the movie where you kind of realize why he's going after Paul Allen when he hasn't really killed in his own inner circle before before well one because he knows that it'll probably get him killed if he kills in his inner it'll get him arrested or killed or busted Mm -hmm. um if he kills within his own inner circle but the reason he goes after paul allen is jealousy and we briefly touched on this earlier during the card scene right whose cards does everybody like they like paul Paul allen's the best Mm -hmm. you know he gets the when he invites him out to the restaurant he's asking him oh how did you land that account Paul Allen's like, oh, I could tell you, but I had to kill you, right? Because he wants to know how how did you land that important account when I couldn't get that account, you know? And there's, you know, uh, he's bragging about getting actual reservations at Dorcia. And then I think what prompts it in the movie, Christian Bale has a fiance, Reese Witherspoon, but he's also uh, sleeping with uh, another one of his coworkers. Fiances. Fiances. So it's his mistress. In the movie... He sees at like Christmas party, he sees Paul Allen flirting with his mistress. And that's the tipping point. That's yeah, what gets him, him over the edge. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what gets him to ask him out to lunch because he wants to kill him. Because 
what's seemingly happening in his mind is why is this guy getting the good accounts? Why does everybody like his card instead of mine? Why is he flirting with my fucking mistress when she's only supposed to be interested in me? So you can see where his sense of insecurity comes from. And that's why he goes after Paul Allen. That's why he risks getting caught. That's why he risks killing someone in his inner circle. You know, whereas before it was random models at a club or, you know, a prostitute or homeless people, homeless people. Yeah, it, it, it kind of goes against because in the again, once in his opening narrative scene where he's talking about um, he he looks like a human, but he has no real human emotions. He's uh, an illusion. Yeah. All he feels is greed and um, disgust. But he obviously is triggered by jealousy as well. Yeah. So there, there is some human emotion to him. And there is another point in the movie where he does get triggered by he does show some sort of human emotion um and it's right before he's about to kill his secretary he gets distracted and i would say uh feels some sort of uh you know sympathy or remorse like uh decides not sort of caring caring yeah like she he tells her to leave something bad's gonna happen and she's like oh you know you know, I could stay. And he's like, no, if you do, uh, I, I won't be able to control myself. You know, and she's thinking like, oh, like. Like sex or sex, a relationship. A relationship or, yeah. and a bad relationship. And meanwhile, he's thinking, no, I'm going to put a nail gun through your head. <laughs> and, 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 and duct tape you up. And yeah. You. Yeah. And we'll get through, you know, we'll get to his impulses. That was actually later. a question I had had. Like, of all the people, you know, like, granted, his secretary is someone who works directly with him and stuff like that. I never really understood that watching the movie on repeat, why he chose not to kill his secretary. But I, I, I think I, you're right. Like, I well, think it is a sense of sympathy. Yeah, but I mean, so this is like, it's funny because you, you mentioned that because I actually thought about it too. But in the past too, like, why do you do about rewatching it again and like seeing it obviously years later? Bateman is like, I mean, maybe at one point in his life he was more planned, but as he's spiraling, he's impulse. He's going to kill her. He's got the nail gun to his head. The phone rings. It changes his... That's it. It's over. When he's got the two uh, hookers in his apartment, he, you know, he doesn't kill them. He tortures them. Yeah. You know, like, but if, was he going to kill them? Did something happen? And then he just decides to torture them. You know, like it, everything, when he's then having sex with the, you know, Christy the second time mm-hmm. and his, um, I think his ex-girlfriend... Mm-hmm. Who, fun little fact, that actress is actually uh, one of the writers of the screenplay for the movie. Her name is Gwendolyn something. I can't quite think of it. I know it's Gwendolyn something or Guinevere something. I'm not sure. But she's actually one of the writers for the movie who's worked with Mary Harron, the director of the movie, on multiple projects. Yeah, like, so at that moment while he was having sex under the sheets, did he decide, you know, he just went and killed her? He, I think it's with him, it's something like a pinball machine, you know, like he's fickle. Yeah. Like he, but that again goes to the, to the thing of like how he's seen, right? Like he's a fickle eighties yuppie. One minute he's interested. One minute he's not, you, you get, you're giving him something to do. And then like, he's bored, you know what I mean? So right. it's, but he's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, so he, even though he did feel maybe emotion for her, he was still going to kill her. So, but then the the phone rings, 
uh, Reese Witherspoon calls him like, oh, hey, honey bunny, don't think I don't know where you're at. Don't forget we have an appointment, blah, 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 mm-hmm. you know, but um, Guinevere Turner, by the way, is her name. He, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, he was going to kill her huh? at that moment. Yeah. The phone call distracted, distracted him. him and that was the end, you know, but he convinces her to leave so that he doesn't kill her. So I think at that moment, um, you know, but. At that point, though, also, he's continuing to kill in his inner circle. He was going to kill his secretary. Yeah. You know, and he, he wanted and to. He wanted to, you know, and was he killing her solely based on she wanted reservations at Dorcia? And I think that's what it was, you know. Oh, well, speaking of Dorcia, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what I was going <laughs> to interject with. The moments in this movie that are the funniest, I just realized as you were talking about it are the moments when he's insecure. Like, even when he's killing Paul Allen, and he's like, try and get reservations at Darcy and now, you stupid fuck! Right? Like, that... See, him saying that while he's killing Paul Allen is probably one of the, f- like, funnier moments in the movie because it's like, Jesus Christ, man, it's just fucking reservations. Relax. Yeah, but he, you can't, know? he can't get reservations he at Darcy. But he can't yeah. get reservations and, and at it's never made And it's never made clear, like... You never see him in Dorcia's, you know, like they're always talking about, you know, like I think at the very beginning of the movie, like, I don't know if it was Bryce or which which person said it, but they couldn't get into Dorcia because uh, Bateman wouldn't give the maitre d' head. And you yeah, know? It, um, I think it is Bryce. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Bryce uh, played by a baby Justin Theroux in that movie. It, it's clearly a trigger for um, for Bateman and on top of his his jealousy with Paul Allen, this the Dorsey, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Dorsey thing, is and, and it's and, and it's funny in that scene too. The whole um, him talking about um, Huey Lewis in the news, you know, and um, the pleasures of conformity. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's funny that like he he quotes music, and I've never read the book, so I don't know how in detail it goes about it, and I've never bothered to look into it. But you never really know. Does Bayman really think those things, or is it just something he read and quotes? To try to fit in. That's a good you know, point. You know, because we talk about the wanting to fit in. Yeah. And he says to Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Go ahead. You do it the best. Do, yeah. the, do it the um, way he says it. Because I want to fit in. <laughs> um, it's, just, it's just so like a perfect little. He removes his headphones to tell her that he wants to fit in. Yeah, it's just such a great like, little line. To leave the job that he doesn't <laughs> To leave the job you're not like. even happy. Um, and he... You, you never really know, like, are those his actual thoughts or is he just reading something from a catalog that he thinks will interest, People like, yeah, interested. like, yeah, like yeah. Or make him think that he's, imp- like, important intelligent or important or that he cares about it, but, um... That's not even just, like, and you're absolutely right, because later on when he's, like, uh, dragged his drunk mistress to what he says is Dorcia, but it's actually, like, Barcade or something, or Barcadia, something like that... He quotes what the Zagat, uh, Zagat, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, survey like book with the one for the restaurants. He says, uh, Zagat survey called this dish a pleasant little like surprise. And it's like, why are you quoting what the, what the, someone else said? It's right, one right. of those things where I'm going to repeat something, someone more important than me said in right. hopes of seeming more important, uh, more important, more intelligent, more intelligent. Um, yeah. yeah. When, when they're, uh, Funny, after the scene with the whole I want to fit in and they're at um, 
they meet up with Reese Witherspoon's uh, friends and his cousin or yeah. something and his girlfriend, uh, you know, and they're talking about Sri Lanka and everything. Oh, that's the. Oh, my God. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And he goes on this whole what they need to do. And um, it's it's obviously not his thoughts. He's obviously. obviously yes, yeah. He, you know, I, and that's his his whole um, throughout the whole movie. He doesn't he just doesn't have his own opinion on anything yeah because um, if he shared his own opinion it would it, be like well the scene well, where he does where he mentions like when i see a pretty girl when he's talking to his friends yeah, yeah, right he, he he quotes in the movie he quotes about ted bundy and ed gein and ed gein yeah. right the to, uh his, his dog's name was lassie right and then uh what a he, what their heads would look like on a stick yeah right <laughs> yeah and, the, and his friends and that's the moment where uh, like bryce and um I, I don't remember the other friend's name are like uh they, they, they just don't say anything. They they're don't know like, what oh, to say. Yeah, they're right. like at that point they're like, okay, dude, like we're we're dicks like you, and you know, like women. Yeah. there are no women with good personalities. personalities. Right, and now they're like, oh. So that scene, and like, let's talk a little bit more of a breakdown of that scene. I'm glad you brought it up because the bravado. So like in the movie itself, whenever Patrick's just around his friends, they're constantly talking shit. And like at the very beginning of the movie, uh, the friends making like anti-Semitic remarks, and then. What happens? Patrick Bateman's like, cool it, man. Like, because he wants to seem like he cares. He wants to seem important. But he doesn't give a shit, right? He would happily kill anyone. Like, happily. Just, it doesn't matter. Granted, you know he'll happily kill everyone because race, color, creed, poor, rich, he kills everybody. So, (laughs) but specifically he's constantly doing that in the movie and then later on when they're talking about the the chicks and the only ones that are have a good personality or are halfway talented whatever the fuck that means i think is a direct quote from one of his friends they're all ugly chicks right that scene is so filled with machismo and bravado and he is so filled with machismo bravado right the fact that the very next scene is Lewis, the the guy who, uh, <laughs> yeah, I believe his name is Lewis. Yes, Lewis. Lewis, oh. right? He comes in and shows his new card. Patrick gets mad because they like his card too, and now they have to like he has to like rectify that because this guy's a loser, right? Mm-hmm. I'm banging your your your, your fiance, fiance, and mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you're here showing off your card, acting like you're cool. When he goes and tries to kill him, and then Lewis hits on him. The embarrassment that Chris, that Patrick yeah, the, Bateman the, the feels, homophobia. the homophobia <laughs> that comes forefront, mm-hmm. but the fact that like he loses his bravado so quickly that he's brought down to such a like level, it has got to be one of the funniest scenes in the movie for me because he's so insecure that he cannot he cannot handle a man hitting on him, especially one that he was about to kill, who he hates, who he hates. He, he calls him a fucking loser. He, yeah. he, he when he's constantly talking to his mistress, he's like, "You're dating a, a fucking loser." Yeah, you know, you're da- pumpkin, pumpkin, pumpkin. Yeah, you're pumpkin. Da- <laughs> she's like, "Stop calling, Stop me, calling pumpkin. me pumpkin." Pumpkin, you're dating yes. a fucking uh, loser. I have to return some videotapes yeah. when he that tries. moment when he's like, "Patrick, where are you going?" He's like. I have to return some videotapes. He, he washes his glo- <laughs> his gloves, which goes to show you the extent of his like like homophobia, and his disgust. like and disgust, yes, and like yes, like how high up he was with the level of like uh, machismo that he was feeling, and then how quickly he went down, and was just oh my god, I I yeah, literally he storms out of the restaurant. I and but like. He bumps into people. He like gets sweaty and nervous, and it's like yeah. Well, I mean, like 
he's already triggered by Lewis before he even goes to kill him because of the card, right? That yeah. when um Bryce or McDermott is like, "What's for lunch?" He goes, "Is that the, is that the only thing you can bring to the table? Like, uh, what's for lunch? Like, yeah. what are we eating?" And then he goes to kill him. Yeah. So he's already triggered that he wants to murder him, and then the you know the romantic scene that comes <laughs> that uh um yeah it's he's clearly like we said uh i don't believe for one second anything that comes out of his mouth is real right but um, everything is the quoting the songs the music before he kills paul allen is obviously in my opinion is fake it's just like everything else quoting somebody else's thoughts yeah. to sound like he's actually intelligent yeah Though there are moments where I do believe he likes the music. He clearly seems uh, enjoying it. Uh, and it's it's obviously all pop music. Can I ask you something? Sure. I was rewatching it like two days ago. And I feel like I remember a scene when after he's killed Paul Allen, Willem Dafoe comes and talks to him and stuff like that. He pulls out the... Huey Lewis. Huey and Lewis in the news. Yeah, that CD. was like the second time. The second uh, time he went to interview. Yeah, the second him. interview. I remembered a scene where he where he says, "Oh no, I'm not really into music," and I see him. I remembered him pushing a headset and a cassette tape thing into a drawer. That was their first meeting. He pushes that in. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. To sound like, uh, cause um, to like sound like he was busy. Cause Willem then he picked Def up his Willem phone. Willem Dafoe, no, no. Willem Dafoe says, "Oh, I'm sorry to, you know, you must be so busy here." But he's got like the magazine, the crossword puzzle, and the headphones. So he just throws everything into the drawer. Okay. To not to make it look like. Cause I didn't notice it in the first scene, but I was like, oh, I thought he did that when he mentioned. No, no, no. The the music. The <laughs> Huey Lewis in the news thing is like, well, obviously Willem Dafoe doesn't know that he killed him playing that song, but it's just done for the scene to trigger, to, to trigger Bateman's, you know, thinking back to after he stuck an ax in his skull, that song was playing, you, you know, that album was playing. Yeah. So no. And that's, I just lost my train of thought for a second. That's right. Uh, but way uh, to go. No. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And that's something else with like, uh, Bateman that you realize that he, you know, he's, rich he's got his father practically owns the company you find that in the movie uh, um reese witherspoon says it although but i have to wonder if that's even true because like well yeah i i think it's totally true um again i don't i didn't read the book i don't know what the backstory is based on the book but based on the movie alone reese witherspoon says it. your father practically owns the company and when he's walking to work at the beginning you know walking on sunshine's playing which by the way is like fantastic because it's such a it goes from like this dark grim scene you know like it, it's him narrating himself his nightly bloodlust is carry over into more daytime yeah. you know and he then says i'm simply not there fair. and then it walking on sunshine yeah. he's walking to work again everybody looks the same and he goes into his office his secretary comes in uh this is you know this one wants to meet at this this one you know do you have appointment with this one for lunch and dinner at this one and then she closes the door and he doesn't work Right. Well, he doesn't work at all throughout most of the right, movie. Right, but that's like to show you that he's back to the he thinks he wants to be important, but he doesn't actually do anything. Yeah. And that's why I feel like even with the Paul Allen thing that how did he get the um, the important account, the important account like versus him is well, why would he even get that account? He does nothing. 
I'm glad you brought up the walking on sunshine thing. I'm, I think I said that like 700 times already. I'm glad you brought something up. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the damn movie. <laughs> Obviously, can bring it up. But the juxtaposition of that, it, and it happens multiple times throughout the movie, where it's a song that's like either super poppy and like comparative to his like cold demeanor. You know, like he doesn't even have a, freaking smile on his face when he's walking through the halls listening to that song he's just walking and listening to it because for whatever reason either he likes the music or he likes to say hey i got the newest album and i'm listening to it because he has to be the first to do everything even later on in the scene uh, before he kills his ex-girlfriend and christy right again spoilers um when he's talking about whitney houston's music he's talking about the greatest love of all i believe and it's a scene where like he just drugged the two women he's with to get them to have sex. And then his intention is to kill them and stuff like that. But he's like oozing this bullshit about how amazing the song is and like how, uh, you know, it's just, it's the most ridiculous thing. But again, it works in terms of the movie because you're expecting like, what happens he's he's working out watching porn he's working out uh, watching the texas chainsaw massacre things that like you would normally think oh well you'd listen to poppy music to get you in the mood to it and he lit but then when it, he's about to kill someone he's listening to huey lewis and the news when he kills someone he's about to listen to uh you know winnie houston which by the way uh, the reason you hear an instrumental of that song in the movie is because Whitney Houston was like, get the fuck out of here. I'm not giving you my rights to yeah, <laughs> that song. That's something you like notice, I think, throughout the movie, too, is that like when we talk about him quoting probably like reviews or other people's thoughts is he his personality is learned from like articles and television, you know, like you saying he was watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So like, does he learn to, he learns to kill people from watching horror movies. He learns yeah. to have sex with people from watching porn. He's looking at the porn video um, while he's talking to his, um, um, his mistress, his mistress yeah. you know, he's, he's not capable of experiencing, like learning through experience in the sense of on his own, he has to learn it from, what, like like he's some sort of like alien or something and he's learning how to do things yeah like human behavior through like educational videos which aren't obviously yeah real educational videos and it just goes to show you this this alien personality monster personality that he is trying to fit in so to speak right but doing it through the wrong means Right, yeah. like, oh, how do I have sex? Oh, I'll watch a porn video, and then that's how I'll have sex with these women. And then, obviously, the sex scene is probably not a normal sex scene that most people have. It's something you would mostly see out of a porn video, yeah. right? Um, but then you see his behavior in it, like looking at the himself constantly. The murder scene later, like, obviously, you see him listening and watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then we see how Christy meets her end um, later on. Yeah. <laughs> um, being chased did you did you chainsaw. notice how though um he uses Paul Allen's apartment to kill them that he was in Paul Allen's apartment yeah he's not in his own he murders them in Paul Allen's which is I think she seals her fate when she makes the comment uh this is nicer than your other apartment he's like it's not that much nicer yeah, <laughs> like yeah. he gets, well 
and like we said earlier, like he may not have the intent to kill them. Yeah, he may have just wanted to fuck and maybe torture them again, whatever right, the case just, is. Or maybe just fuck and that's it. Yeah. He, like I said earlier with the not killing his um, secretary, he was going to kill her. Mm-hmm. Most likely because of the Dorcia comment that the, the can I want to go to Dorcia's yeah. and it pissed him off in his office. Yeah. And then her calling him out. You didn't leave your name. They know me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then he tells her to wear something nice. Yeah. You may want to change. Yeah. And um, that outfit she was wearing in that office wasn't totally 80s because her shoulder pads weren't big enough. <laughs> um, but yeah, by all intents and purposes, he might have not. You know, I mean, he did have a chainsaw with him, but, you know, so I might have been there with maybe I will, maybe I won't. Mm-hmm. But then the this apartment's nicer than your other apartment. Well, now you're fucking dead. And I, well, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Or maybe while he was having sex, you know, something that happened there triggered him because you don't ever really know how he killed her under the mattress. But you, know, yeah, you, you, blood just, you start to mouth. see blood. You assuming like he's biting her, but like like is he ripping her neck. She out? runs out of the room before we see what happens right, to right. the other girl off screen. It's yeah. all off screen. Yeah. yeah. And, and then like that's something, you know, it's like everybody. I heard there was like um, people like um, protesting the film and how violent it was. Mm-hmm. And even though there's violence in it, a lot of stuff happened off screen, too. Yeah. You know, you don't see. I mean, you see a decent amount of stuff. Uh, but like you don't actually see like you see him like kind of stab the homeless guy and then that's but the rest mm-hmm. of it's off screen you don't you see, see him bat, you see him smash uh, Paul Allen with the axe but you don't actually see it you see in, the blood right. squirt on his face uh, squirt on his face which was really cool that it um squirted only half of his face and then like he sits down and the camera pans to one side and he's clean on one side yeah and on the other side he's got all blood well again it shows like the duality of his personality what he's like around other people and what he's like in private you know and uh, and that that was done by accident if i understand like that was not oh really purpose yeah so and it's actually but it works but it works yeah Yeah. it shows his dual personality um i I find it interesting you don't even see um i mean you see paul allen's body lying there on the floor so but you don't see yeah. his head, like you don't see. No, you no, just see you, the pool you see of blood, the blood, yeah. And you see him. And you see the Wall Street Journal article, right? Yeah. The Wall Street Journal, I think yeah. that was all over the floor. I don't remember what the paper was. Just quickly to talk about that scene. Again, I know we already said the the line about the you know try to get a res- reservation now, Dorsey, you fucking stupid bastard. Mm-hmm. But just like when he's like drunk and asking him, like, oh, what do you have? Like a little. Um, what do you have, like a little dog, a little chow or something like that? And he's laughing and he's like, no, right. <laughs> he just, he's so upbeat that he's about to kill this dude. It's so, again, it's all dark, but it's so funny. It just gets, it just gets me every time where he's like, oh, you have a little chow. And he's like, no, <laughs> are you wearing a, wearing a Rayquan? Yes, I am. <laughs> it's funny because that movie sets up also for the rest of the movie, I think that whenever he's quoting music he's around people is he gonna kill them you know like, yeah yeah so um, i think in the book i know you said you had right <laughs> to be fair i have not read it either i've just watched a lot of comparison videos of the book to the movie cinefix shout out to cinefix a great youtube channel they talk about like what's the difference and they did one on american psycho and okay. they <laughs> they talk about how in the book there are like chapter long breakdowns of music so it'll go from a chapter where he talks about cutting somebody up and killing them and eating their body and then it'll go into like the entire phil collins album or the entire winnie houston album so like in the book if it's from the perspective of this character but 
he's still he's still so self-important he would take up an entire chapter to talk about like what his reviews or what he's like copying what someone else is saying of these books uh, uh, of these um albums right so it's interesting yeah and it's apparently what cost them probably the most money in the the movie oh, the, mo- the, the, oh, the music the rights yeah For sure oh and the, well uh, speaking of earlier when i was mentioning winnie houston and how she didn't want to give her rights to the movie be- a lot of people a didn't. lot of people didn't yeah. right there mm-hmm. was, you were mentioning how there were so many designer brands that were designer brands boycotts uh <laughs> they, they even lost the rights to film in buildings like um mm. office buildings so yeah. like all the scenes you see in the office had to eventually be built on sound stages yeah so um yeah they they which were, well, go ahead. what was it the the body so when he kills paul allen and he drags the body out of the building which Another funny part of the movie, right, is he's dragging the body outside. And again, it lends to the ambiguity, right, of whether or not it was all real. He's dragging the body down the hallway. It's so clearly a body, and there's a pool of blood that he's dragging along. And the security guard looks up at him and then just looks back down. Like, he doesn't give a shit, right? Like just shows, like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. And these people are just, you know... He's like, whatever, same shit, different night, yeah. right? Like, maybe mm-hmm. he's seen it before. Maybe he knows whatever the case is. But uh, there was another designer that was supposed to be the body bag or, like, whatever the case was. Mm-hmm. Louis Carruthers, again, the... the <laughs> why here, Patrick, that guy? Uh, he's the one who stops and sees him, and he's like, oh, my God. Where did you get that Where did you get bag? that overnight yeah, bag? And he's like, it's beautiful. I think it was supposed to be another company. And then... Last minute they pulled out, so Jean-Paul Gaultier. That's what? why he says it. He's like, he goes, Jean-Paul Gaultier, and he shuts the trunk and gets in the car. <laughs> he's like, uh, uh, Patrick, is that you? No, Louis, it's someone else. I'm not here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, I think another uh, actually important character that we should talk about that really stands out but was not in it much is uh, Willem Dafoe. Oh, my God, um, yeah. Who's the detective. Uh, uh, you never know if he's a specifically a detective or private detective um yeah i think yeah i think he says maybe i was hired by the fiance so i'm guessing he's a private detective i'm assuming that's the yeah, case yeah um because i think his uh his secretary maybe he's says a former he's a, cop yeah. yeah he says there's a detective here to see you yeah but, but then he says i was hired yeah yeah because obviously throughout the movie he's looking for paul allen yeah he's searching for paul allen and then again like from the very opening of the movie, the the premise is the m- whole mistaken identity thing, mm-hmm. right? Because they can't find Paul Allen, but people said, no, I was with him. Yes, I saw him with that one. This is the problem with trying to pit him down. But I think what starts to lead to uh, Patrick's unraveling that this uh, detective private investigator is, well, we think knows he did it, you know, because the way it ends, you think he gets away with it. The director of the movie purposely filmed it Three different ways. Three different ways. Yeah. She had, she made the foe, they, they did the scene three, each scene three different times. They filmed it three different ways. Like he didn't know he was guilty, mm-hmm. that he was, that he knew that he was guilty mm-hmm. and that he was unsure. Yeah. Right. So, and that in fact, as you, if you rewatch the movie and you look at it, you can tell why was Willem Dafoe's demeanor change within even one scene within one scene like yeah. he's got these smiles right yeah. and he's like well you tell me yeah and he smiled and sometimes he's like so eerie you know when he's like so the earth just like bateman says swallowed him yeah. you know opens up opens swallows, him swallows him whole, him whole. Mm-hmm. and he goes eerie and he doesn't seem like he 
like he believed, you know, like he was like, wow, maybe he's just gone, you know. Yeah. And other times he's just got like this look, like, you know, well, why don't you tell me, you know, and yeah. where were you? And and even I just, later on, uh, the last scene where he kind of like tells him like you're gonna get away with it because someone vouched for you being there. Yeah, he goes to think that uh, uh, one of his friends, one of his friends and coworkers no would just reason. kill him for no reason whatsoever, and mm-hmm. he had a look on his face, staring at him, yeah. and Bateman's sweaty, and he's got like like. His skin is all pasty, you know, yeah. and you, you, the audience, and are in Patrick Bateman's shoes. You're like, shit, it's over. He's busted, you yeah. know. It was just a. I really enjoyed Willem Dafoe's performance in it. Yeah, he was. He was literally. I again, his his role was so small, but so intricate into the unraveling of the character yeah. of Patrick Bateman that he really did. Like he he was genuinely like a cut above in the movie. He yeah. was so great. In that role, uh, it was just, it was incredible. Yeah, and, and I don't think And credit to Mary Harron for, for thinking of doing it that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, because you leave the audience confused, too, just as much as, like, the character's supposed yeah, to be you're, confused. Yeah, and you put in Bateman's... And, you know, I know you're not, like, supposed to, like, sympathize with Bateman in the movie, even yeah. though sometimes you do. Yeah. Um, but sure. you, you do feel, like, him in, like, oh, my God, he's going to get caught, or is he not going to get caught? Is he going to get away with it? And... I definitely feel that this, you know, like Defoe in a way triggers Bateman's like faster unraveling yeah. in the movie. And which clearly does and then towards the end he starts completely uh Well, in fact, toward the it's after that he's like cleared by Defoe is when that unraveling starts, almost immediately after. He goes from being like nervous, being precautious, not like killing, but like not killing in his own inner circle to just like all out like all out, warfa- uh, yeah. warfare on everyone mm-hmm. and every everything it meets. Um, just want to quickly talk about Mary Heron, who's a phenomenal director, right? Like she, there there were talks when they were making this movie about like having other people. I think Oliver Stone was even set to direct at one point, and um, uh, there was like a bunch of crazy casting, casting and directing change. They wanted the movie to be a certain way, so Mary Heron's like, well, if we don't do it my way. I'm leaving. And they're like, okay, we'll leave. So she's like, all right, bye. And she left. She had been set because she wanted Christian Bale for the role and they wanted Leonardo DiCaprio. And she's like, well, if you pick Leonardo DiCaprio, I'm leaving. So that's when they did Oliver Stone instead. So Oliver Stone and Leonardo DiCaprio were going to be the director and main actor for this movie. It never would have worked. It never. Don't get me wrong. I like Leonardo DiCaprio. I think he can play a bad guy well. Obviously, if you've ever seen uh, Django. It, he's he's great as a bad guy. He's great. He's great at being malicious. But I just don't think he had what this role needed. He would never put on the muscle mask. He would never put <laughs> on the muscle mask. Um, it, but he not only that. I, I mean, I know like DiCaprio was also maybe not as big of a star, but he was. I mean, he was. He was loved and well known, but yeah. maybe not the actor that he is today. But yeah. Bale was still kind of unknown. He just done but like that's Empire why of they, the Sun. They yeah, wanted. But, DiCaprio because he was more known Mm -hmm. because they thought well this movie's not going to do well if we don't have a big star but she's like no let me bring him in he's going to be and I think uh, Leonardo DiCaprio wanted to put more input and he wanted to focus less on the satire of the movie which again we've talked about with identity Mm -hmm. and with like greed and all that stuff that in the movie like he wanted to focus less on that and more on like the murderous spree and then when they wouldn't do it he was like all right forget it i'm gonna go do you know the beach right so <laughs> <laughs> never seen it yeah it, it's all right it's, a, it's not great but that being said he 
he wanted to focus more on that. And when he left, Stone left. Oliver Stone left. So they hired Mary Heron back. She got to get her Christian Bale for the role. And like the rest is history. And, and, and then they called her misogynist. And then they called her misogynist. <laughs> so uh, Mary Heron obviously is a woman. And the writer, f- now the uh, the writer of the book, uh, Brett Easton Ellis, is a, is a guy. But the writer who helped her write the screenplay, the uh, uh, Guinevere Turner, who we talked about earlier, she had had also helped Mary Heron write the script. And people, w- when this movie came out, it was violent, obviously, and people were like, oh, well, he kills so many women in this movie, and it's like, well, he kills everyone. He doesn't really care. He just, if you piss him off, if you, if he ha- has the urge, he kills everyone. Yeah, I mean, he, he, women are probably an easier target for him because he's right. a good-looking man, right. and he can get women, right? but it's really like... Um, the first implied movie is a stranger he meets on the street and it's a woman, mm-hmm. right? And he's a good look, like Christian Bale is a good looking dude. If you're a woman walking down the street and a good looking dude dressed in a suit, granted, it's supposed to take place in the 80s. So people are supposed to like believe a little bit more that maybe a woman would just go home with a random dude she met on the street. But it's very possible, right? So the first implied murder is that woman and then the next actual murder on even know if she went home with him well it's just it's implied because the next scene is the sheet where he's at the dry cleaner screaming about the sheets and he's like and she's like why are you supposed Mm -hmm. to like he's like you know stupid bitchy like he was (laughs) he's like screaming at the Mm -hmm. asian uh dry cleaners which is another time he 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 flips he flips and he threatens to kill right Mm -hmm. which is another scene i think that's like five times in the movie where he kind of confesses right. that he's a killer. It's like, if you don't shut the fuck up, right, right. I'm going to kill uh, you. And again, right. like to yeah. him, uh, we also like, does he want to be caught? Right. Like that's part of it. And I think you know? we can, that's later on. He's telling every, like he calls his lawyer. He's, a, it's a whole big thing. But something mm. else I noticed, right? Like again, with, the things he does in his inner circle and what he does in out, he's flipping out at these Asian dry cleaners and yelling because they can't get the blood stain out of the, out of his expensive sheets. And he's like, did you just say bleach? Like he's mm-hmm. like flipping out. And then the woman he knows walks in and he's like, can well, you talk to I, them? I don't can think he even knows who she is. Cause he doesn't know her. I don't think he even knows her name. He just like, she knows him. She and knows he, him. He but like recognizes he, he's her. He recognized her as being in his inner circle. Yeah, yeah. But um, doesn't even know who she is. Yeah. But um, yeah. And then it, it, it's just, again, this movie and, and the fact that the director got some crap for him being called a misogynist. Yeah. Um, when in reality, she's, you know, she. And, and, the, and the co-writer, I think, is uh, gay. Yeah, right? she's, yeah, yeah. she's <laughs> gay. Right. Well, is gay. Well, she so. makes the jo- the reason they put that scene in the movie where she plays his ex, they make the joke. She makes the joke no, saying, Lawrence, I'm not right? a lesbian, yeah. but she is in real life. And then he's like, come on, you went to Sarah Lawrence. And she's like, so what? That doesn't yeah. mean anything. Meanwhile, she's an all girl school. But she also did go to Sarah Lawrence. Right, right. So, you know, like, obviously, she's like poking fun at herself. And the character of Patrick Bayman is a misogynist right like he For he sure. obviously well, the whole circle is the whole circle is yeah. right because if he wasn't he but he just kills anyone he thinks is beneath him which is almost everyone just everybody yeah mm-hmm. um well yeah he even <laughs> tries to kill a cat yeah he tries to kill a cat and, and then he, he tries shoots to feed it to the um but that's like another and speaking of the killing the cat that's the beginning of the 
him flipping out. Well, after he uh, after he's cleared. After so he's cleared. After yeah. he's he, cleared. He, he, uh, well, he right before the scene, he he finally kills Christy and um, his ex girlfriend or yeah. friend, and um, I think it's implied they were they dated once or something. Yeah. And then I think when he confesses to the lawyer, he says he killed his ex girlfriend. Yeah. So it might have been referring to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he, he kills her. She runs away. He's chasing her down the hallway and naked and in his sneakers with the chainsaw out of Texas, something out of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And I know some people have complained, like, why didn't nobody come out? You know, it's a, well, it's a it's super expensive. It's the 80s like, in Manhattan. Um, like, people a, are so self-involved, it's, you well, know? That's what, you know, I was trying to, I was going to get to. Like, like, nobody cares, you know? And they're in their super expensive uh High-rise Manhattan building. Um, they don't want to get involved. Nobody gives a shit. Uh, the scene is actually extremely intense and, like, creepy and, again, a little comedic. You have a naked man running down the hallway with sneakers and a chainsaw. And um, just a scene of her running down the stairs and him watching and then dropping the chainsaw. Even though I don't think it could actually land like that and kill someone like that because her belly is sliced open. Um it's as she's uh, trying to get away. As like she's trying to get away, yeah. And I mean, he clearly was pissed as she kicked him in the face. Yeah. You know? And he's like, <laughs> not the fucking face. <laughs> um, the cinematography, which again, I don't think we even spoke about cinematography in the movie, but the the the, it was just a, a cool scene and just the chainsaw underneath her belly and chopped in half. Again, learned it from watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre, watching movies of how to kill like killers. Yeah. And then. After he's cleared, he goes to the ATM that night, right? He thinks he got away with everything. And now he goes on this kill spree, which I think is implied. Did it actually happen? Did it not happen? Right? So, that's, that's, so that was the question I was just about yeah, to ask you. So. There's a lot of ambiguity in this movie. Mary Heron, the director, said, I wanted it ambiguous, but I didn't want people to think that it didn't happen. Right. Well, because now this is... So this is like where I see it, right? He... Starts shooting at the police, right? He goes and and he goes on the run, right? So in one scene, he kills both cops, right? Mm-hmm. One, he's wow, he's a great shot, right? What do you want me to say? I'm a great shot. <laughs> um, so and you think to yourself, like, okay, so has he had gun training? I don't know, right? But he kills the cops, right? Then he blows up the car with, with the, gun, the gun and he looks at the gun, right? Right? Because so even that, he can't believe that he like, was he able just to did do that, that, right? And he goes back on the run, right? And then he's running to his um, office, office building. building. And this is part, again, of like whether it happened or not, right? All the office buildings look the same. Yeah. So does he not know where, like, you know, so he runs into one building. He realizes it's not his building, kills the guy. All right. But just quickly, in that same scene, the security guard calls him Mr. Smith. Right. So, so again, it's that mistaken identity, identity of yes, like yes. So they don't know. Even the people who work in these buildings can't tell who's who, mm-hmm. right? Which can make it the well. Did it happen or didn't it happen? Well, no, it could have happened because these people don't know who's who, right? So boom, kills him. Goes to finds his eventual building, calls his lawyer, confesses, right? And which leads us to the next scene where he bumps into the. Well, actually, I can't remember. Does he bump into the lawyer first or does he go back to the apartment? He he goes back to the apartment um, to before see what he ha- bumps into the lawyer. Before right? he bumps into yes. the lawyer, he goes. And back this to is another part where you think, well, did it happen or did it not happen, right? So my interpretation of, to me, it happened, right? Because that's what I want to believe, yeah. right? That that makes me enjoy the movie more. Yeah, and it makes me. And how do I think of it? Like so, I've I've heard different theories about the people who think it happened and how they see it. One, 
he's in the wrong building, mm-hmm. I've heard. Because, like, okay, uh, all the buildings look alike. All these people have the same apartments. All of them look over the, you know, the city and everything. I look at it as the, from the portion of greed. Goes to the building. The bodies are gone. So, oh, no, he, he imagined it. He didn't kill it. But, no, there's the... The, the the real estate agent mm-hmm. who either, or the or the landlord who has to sell or rent the the apartment. Mm-hmm. So what's more important, you know, no one's gonna rent this building. Nobody's, <laughs> Nobody's gonna, gonna rent, rent the apartment, apartment, right? If um, they know someone was uh, murdered here, we may, we may never be able to rent any of the apartments in the building again. Yeah, there was a murderer here. Yeah. Someone butchered women here. Yeah, um, she even tells them like leave and don't come back leave and don't come back like right. because she kn- she knows what he's looking for right you know so and like she's now like this in my opinion like this like this boss in a way you know mm-hmm. like i know who and what you are get leave. out yeah and don't ever come back you know he's like i won't i won't yeah like so now someone's covered up the murder the bodies are gone he's gotten away with it again and this i need to be coy <laughs> has now you know now it's extended even further his, his bloodlust will continue his murders will continue and that's my interpretation of it he's a murderer he got away with it uh i feel the same way at least to that extent you know uh, defoe is still the detective kim kimball i don't kimball kimball yeah oh like schwarzenegger yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- that's why i remembered it yeah, yeah kimball <laughs> is possibly still lurking in the corner which i believe kimball knows he's guilty yeah, I think he just can't prove it, and right. that's, the, and that's now, the reality. And now these extra bodies that could have possibly led to his incarceration are now gone by this greedy, possible billionaire landlord yeah. um, or financial, like, you know, um, LLC group that owns the building. Like, no, 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 no. We can't lose billions of dollars on this. So for Get a long time, I thought it was imaginary. Um, but when I watched it when I was younger and then watched it again now, you definitely get the like the idea that it is real you're you're seeing it from maybe an exaggerated viewpoint because he tends to like maybe exaggerate his own his own like look how many bodies i killed look how many people i've hurt look like he's he definitely pumps himself up throughout the movie so there is this you know part of it where it's real maybe he didn't have the three-way or like maybe the the hookers that he had the three-way with are um you know, maybe not as good looking as we're seeing them perceived because we're seeing it through his eyes. Like there's a lot of like perception changes based on when he's telling the story. Like, did he kill that many people? Did he kill maybe just one person and he imagined killing everyone else? I definitely think he's a murderer, but I don't know if it's just he, the extent that he wants you to believe it is. Right. Yeah. Because as he, um, you know, when he's back in his office building confessing to his lawyer, um, killed this person so-and-so person uh the hooker killed some some cocksucker with a dog right um you know he's confessing and then eventually he bumps into the lawyer at the the the, the restaurant obviously more restaurant scenes the lawyer mistakes him for someone else you know and he's arguing with the lawyer like isn't no. it halberstrom again well, the lawyer thinks he's Halberstrand and right. that he's like, you You did yourself in when you said you were Patrick Bateman. Like, what a loser. Yeah. You know, which now goes back to the he wants to seem important, but nobody thinks Bateman's important. Right. You know? Everybody sees Bateman as like a coward and he's like, like he goes, all that coward. Yeah, that, that loser. Because you know, I could have maybe believed you if you had said Bryce. Right, you know, right. But um, it just goes to show you like 
like nobody like cares nobody really stands out they're all like the same they yeah. all have the again the same suits the same clothes yeah. the same i mean at the end he even says like this confession has meant nothing has meant nothing yeah, yeah. and it's there's a it's one of the best lines of the movie yeah actually, like i mean it's the last line of yeah the movie. yeah mm-hmm. and uh you know he's he's so i don't even know how to describe it he's he seems almost like distraught at the idea that it meant nothing like because even when he's like oh what do you want for lunch and he goes whatever like he's he's disgusted by the fact that he's just, just make sure we have reservations yeah whatever just make sure we have reservations he's like i'm not going anywhere if we don't like he's still like in that manic state mm-hmm. but once the lawyer like drops him back back and down and like then in a way exonerates him of the murder also because he's like i was with well Paul i Allen. i spoke to him two day, like two yeah, days ago yeah, in london yeah in london so yeah. which now is another alibi yeah that he didn't kill paul which is like well did he not kill paul allen so did it not happen yeah no i don't believe that he's obviously in my opinion mistaken he doesn't even know who paul allen is by face either yeah. you know like in my opinion um there's also there's also something to be said about like the validity of his own imagination right like you see him kill the homeless guy yes okay like you don't see the body afterwards or anything like that but you see him kill the homeless guy you don't see him kill a majority of the women and stuff like that but it's it's just one of those things where you want to believe him you want to like you want to believe that he's a little like murderer like um, uh, a little murderer (laughs) (laughs) um but like you believe that he's a murderer you want to believe that he's a murderer because like this guy everything he's shown everything he like says and does like you have to believe it right yeah you but you you're kind of also given like that you know like the well he he like people saying he's not a murderer he drew everything in the book because the 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 secretary, the secretary see, finds his after like, he like calls her and says like, like stop sounding so sad yeah you know, you know like, and he's she's like patrick what's wrong what's wrong yeah. you know so she goes in his office and she finds his book and it's all drawings it's the chainsaw through the girl it's like dicks drawn and you know um, but then like it starts to get like more graphic as she yeah, goes as she's going book. through it but i just think Again, he does nothing all day long. He's a serial killer. He's just thinking of he's drawing ways of how he's gonna like kill or, how, people. or maybe how he has or how kill, he has killed right. People, like that's yes. how he gets mm-hmm. through the day without killing someone in his offices by drawing the pictures and stuff like that. He is truly like, um, I think, mentally ill too. I think they want to imply that because you see him taking pills a couple of times to, in the movie um like but you don't know what pills they are but you don't know what pills they are right Right. Mm -hmm. it could be like anti-anxiety meds or xanax or or xanax or like antidepressants Mm -hmm. or they could be like but maybe bipolar like who knows right like you you definitely know he does coke (laughs) he does a lot of that in the movie yes that's true but yeah one of the one of the best scenes in the in the movie well actually you know we're gonna we're gonna get into that in a second but yeah like i i think truthfully it did happen I mm-hmm. and do you ever see a uh, American Psycho two? No. All American. <laughs> no, I did not. Uh, I mean the fake sequel. The fake sequel. So I've seen this movie. Uh, I watched it a few years back. It was not great. Um, I think if it if they hadn't tried to shoehorn in 
the Patrick ba- Bateman storyline had just called it an um, uh, old American girl, it might have done maybe a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but people saw that and they're like, why the hell would you make it American Psycho 2? Like, see, like what, is, what is the purposes of that? But definitively, based on that canon, which isn't really canon, let's be honest, um, he did it. He one hundred percent did it, and that's yeah, all there is to it. <laughs> I don't, I don't go by that fake. Yeah, obviously, so. it's mm. it's bull, and it's a it's not a great movie. <laughs> but um, so I just have to say, like you know, for me, I didn't even know who Christian Bale was when, until this movie when this movie came out. Same, like he was to me, he was an unknown, right? I never yeah. seen Empire of the Sun at that time or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, I saw um, Newsies when I was a kid, okay. uh, which <laughs> no, I I, I but like that was. But I, really I remember I saw this. I think I I did see this in theaters. I want to say I did. I don't fully remember, but I remember being confused at the end when I first saw it. I remember liking it um, and just being like, okay, did it happen? Did it not happen? I remember buying it on DVD when it came out. I remember just liking it so much and watching it over and over again. And um, no, I didn't become a serial killer watching this movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, and to me, it made Bale a star. Yeah. You know, this was his... His breakout role. His breakout role. Sure. It, it made him, in my opinion. You yeah. Know, yeah, like, okay, he became Batman and... Uh, Bateman, Batman. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, and I don't... I, I couldn't see... And I th- I think I had read at one... Like, maybe Edward Norton was even considered for this movie. Yeah, I think so, um, too. But, like... L- like I'm sure I could now not see anyone else, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to say, oh, nobody else could do this. But, no, I don't think anybody else... This was... Bateman's performance. Yeah, this so. was Bale, Bateman. Yeah, ba- uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Bale's performance. And I've been a fan of his ever since. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I, I've watched a ton of Christian Bale movies since, and I, oh man, the, he's a truly great actor. And we, <laughs> and you could tell he's intense in his roles. I mean, um, God knows he, like, <laughs> screamed at, his uh, lighting guy and oh yeah, good for, for you, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which so. he since apologized for so yeah, yeah i understand <laughs> but yeah i'll forgive I him i i'll forgive him too there's, there's been worse <laughs> celebrity breakdowns yeah let's let's him. be honest yeah. at least he didn't like throw anything at the guy's head let's see <laughs> pull uh sean pan and beat his wife yeah uh, that's exactly there's yeah they're, they're all guilty of something right so yeah. don't worry about it um so why don't we um talk about our prime cuts our prime cuts and then uh We'll do our uh, plugs and we'll call this one a wrap. Okay, that's true. I a do have rap. I do have to return some videotapes. So yes, <laughs> I see what you did there. I, thank you. All right, so my uh my top three uh prime cuts to start is um number three, the trying to kill Lewis in the bathroom scene. Just that scene makes me laugh every single time I watch it because he's so brought down and like. Like, again, because it's the juxtaposition of the scene where it's like all this bravado, all this machismo, and then he's like brought down to like this level of like embarrassment because a guy hits on him and he's like so homophobic and so like, oh, my God, how could you even think that? Like, I just I I laugh every time. And that actor who plays Louis Carruthers is great in the role, in the scene, even like the couple little scenes that he has where he's, you know, I just, I don't know. There's just something about it that makes me crack up every single time. I have so many scenes that I loved in the movie, but um, I love his his opening monologue scene where he yeah. narrates like his his mornings when he wakes up and what he's doing and the the face peeling scene. 
right? And he's talking about like um, there's like some there's an idea of a Patrick Bateman, you know, and um, he talks about um, uh, I can hide my cold gaze and you can shake my hand and feel like my grip gripping yours, but um, I'm simply not there. And he, as he's pulling the face mask off, it's just like he's a mannequin with the face mask on, and then he he pulls the face mask. And even though it's his face, it's really just under the mask. Yeah. Because there is no real Patrick Bateman. It's uh, fantastic. It's one of the greatest, like to me, one of the greatest scenes in the movie. Yeah. It's a great model monologue too. Yeah. yeah. You know. And I and I just love the uh, I love the line like I'm simply not there, mm-hmm. and it's true throughout the whole movie. But that that idea of him peeling the mask off, you know, to reveal his face, but it's really just another mask because. Everything about Bateman's personality, life, all his friends is not real. It's all fake. It's not really what he is. True. And he even says uh, later on in the movie, I think after Kimball clears him, he's in the uh, like the tanning bed and he says, I feel my mask of sanity no, slipping. That's earlier in the movie. Is it earlier yeah, in the yeah, movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like that's the thing, like masks, hiding your identity, that's mm-hmm. a very big part yeah, of the movie. Yeah, when the lady's like saying you have one beautiful skin, skin uh, yeah. Mr. Bateman. Yeah, you know? like it's yeah. very, you know, it's telling and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's 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 interesting to see that that's a theme throughout the movie, that his mask of sanity is yeah. barely hanging on by a thread. Mm-hmm. What's your number two? Number two would have to be the card scene. The business card scene. scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, Watching, uh, you know, Paul Allen walk into the room and he does his own little strut Mm -hmm. too, which um, I find funny when um, he gets killed later on. Bateman does a strut. Yeah. Um, The, let's see Paul Allen's card. Yeah. And then um, the the subtle off-white coloring. Oh my God, it even has a watermark. (laughs) And watching Bateman like sweat which i heard he did on on cue like, on cue that's every impressive. time yes uh no makeup no moisturizing him on cue with sweat um and how he just shakes and drops the card yeah. it's you know but that whole scene in general the each of them showing their card calling it what it's made out of it's just such a, a cool scene that's where i noticed the vice president thing yeah yeah, yeah. um and and it's funny uh <laughs> I also like when Lewis like uh, touches his suit and he gets smacked and he goes like the compliment, the, the compliment was, enough. was enough. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just his expression when he can't even sustain holding the card like it's so heavy and he drops it. Yeah. It's a awesome scene. And the filming of it. Like, yeah. Beautiful. It, it is. It. Yeah. Go ahead. What's your number two? Um, My number two is the Paul Allen murder. <laughs> Again. You're not really supposed to laugh at someone being murdered, but like, damn it, man. Just the whole, like, how intensely happy he seems that he's about to murder Paul Allen. Like, not necessarily the murder itself, but like, just like the setup and like the, he's taught, first of all, like he has a super expensive, like CD player there and he's, he's got the raincoat he's got the style section all laid out on the floor like just the scene itself is such a beautiful build-up like paul allen makes some like snarky comment about like the 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 things and he's like oh you know do you have like a little chow or something and he's like he's like no and then he's like are you wearing a raincoat and he's like yes i am like he's just so intensely happy that he's about to 
fucking murder Paul Allen. And even the axe that he uses looks like a high-end axe. Like, it's shiny. It's, it's clean. It's, like, clean, like, mirrored surface. Everything about that scene. And then, like, the, the hit in the head and the music blasting. And it's, uh, the, again, and I've mentioned it a couple times, him screaming, try to get a reservation. And clearly, my favorite scenes are him losing his, like, his shit. Hit <laughs> because he's so insecure, like, r- ripping apart the, <laughs> the you know. So He's very OCD too. Yeah. Right. Like, like yeah, like that's the one thing he's gonna focus on. The fact yeah. that he got the reservations. Not that like you're flirting with my mistress or like mm-hmm. anything like that. No. Try to get a reservation at this <laughs> restaurant now that you're dead, you fuck. Like, like like just, you know, even throughout the whole movie, we didn't even spend like like don't 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 put this the, the spoon on the table. Put oh it yeah, in put the, it in the carton. Yeah, right. Like he's just so like when, when everything needs to be perfect. Yeah, when Kimball's in his office, don't put the water bottle down thing, he puts the coaster. Right yeah, there, which was improvised by the way. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, oh. Christian Bale grabbed the coaster and put it there. And well, they just I mean, sure, the man like lives in his characters. Yeah, he does. You know? Um, what's your number one? Oh my my number one is the is the freak out scene, is the end scene where he's getting in so in the firefight with the cops. Mm-hmm. That's my absolute number one because <laughs> so again, it's not necessarily funny, but like the AT, the, it starts with the ATM machine, right? The ATM machine tells him, feed me a, ca- feed me a cat. And he yeah. tries to do the cat and then he kills the old lady. That's like, what are you doing? Right. When he tries to shoot him, um, we currently have it on in the background. So we're, <laughs> it just so happened to coincide with, with this. Um, but yeah, the, the part where he's like running to the offices, he blows up the cop car with a with a handgun, and he looks at it, and he's so confused, which is great because you don't know if he's realizing that he's losing it, as well as the audience going, "Well, like, is that real? Is that even happening? What's going on?" When he runs into the wrong building and then shoots the guy there, and then runs out of the building, is almost out the door sees the guy from the janitor from the elevator comes back in through the door to shoot the janitor because maybe he saw him and then gets him in one shot like again what do you want me to say i'm a good shot right like (laughs) and then leaves goes into his actual office building you think he's gonna shoot the guy there and then he just like (sighs) like the manic look on his face and then he pulls out the pen and signs like it's just such a funny like it's funny and weird and then he's in the office and like you hear helicopters in the background but like are they even there and then he's calling his lawyer and he's and he's like confessing everything and he's like and i ate a little bit of her brain and he's like he goes and i tried to cook with it like he's just like losing his mind and it's and he's sweaty and psychotic and that whole like end scene is just so over the top and so insane it's so absurd it's like I can't help but find it funny, you know. I would have to say uh, the um, the Paul Allen murder scene is like top, like would probably be my number four. But like my number one scene is the the whole three way um, <laughs> picking up, like the whole from picking up Christy. You know, you're Christy. You know, where you're my wife. Uh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna be, um, and I think Sab- he calls the the call or the high end call girl Sabrina. Not exactly blonde, are you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and just the whole he's in like a James Bond like suit, you know, and he's trying to be like this everyday man, you know, like this, um, you know, 
like this is who I am, you know, like I just the whole scene. And and it's meant to be like in his mind, it's supposed to be probably like a porn movie or like or you maybe know, cool or and cool. stuff like that. Right, right, yeah. right. Like it's supposed to be something out of like, you know, I'm um um you know uh I'm a badass. Um, like yeah, yeah, look, yeah, I'm look about to me, do it with two women. Because he says to like when he's telling Christy to clean her vagina, yeah. you know, <laughs> he's like, That's a that's a fine Chardonnay. You You're drink. not drinking. Well he yeah. says that later, but yeah, like, yeah. but at that point he's like, That's an expensive Chardonnay, oh, right? right. right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and he goes, Christy, clean your vagina, right? Yeah. And he plays he splashes like the water on her and like giggles, but then he gets the phone call and he gets serious, you know. Yeah. And then um, he goes, send her up, you know, and then she come. Uh, he goes, you're Sabrina. And he goes, let me take your coat. Not exactly blonde, are you? Mm-hmm. Right. And it annoys him. So he now yeah. he, like he's already let down. Yeah. By the the um, the plan he had in his head. Yeah. You know, um, he, he, was, he was about to bang two hot blondes. And now right, one, right. Isn't really blonde. one isn't really blonde. So now the story's somewhat already ruined. And then it continues to get ruined in his head because. He's like, don't you want to, like, when he goes, aren't you interested? Like, look at me and my tux and my bow tie, and I'm this, look at this man I am. Like, no, no. Like, we don't really care. We don't really care. And it, and it's also meant to be like, you know, like, but these are hookers. They're high-end call girls, but to them, it's it's uncomfortable for them, too. Yeah. Like they just, they're like we just, we're just here to do one thing. We we're don't want to talk to you. We're here right. to have sex, and we're paid girls, and this is not... We don't. In, I don't think they like enjoy it and want to live out the fantasy that you want. They just want to get like paid. You yeah. know, it's not a porn movie. Yeah, you know, but he wants it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, he's filming it, and then he's like, uh, "Sabrina, dance." You know, and it's she doesn't know. It's awkward for her. Yeah, you know, and then it's Christy. Uh, sit on your on the bed so um, Sabrina could see your ass. You know, yeah. and it's just all meant to be uncomfortable yeah. and like. And make you even feel uncomfortable as the viewer. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's so awkward. And here he is quoting uh, music. And and then, of course, one of the best lines of the movie, Sabrina, don't just stare at it, eat it. Yeah. Come on. Which made me laugh, like howl in laughter when I rewatched it recently. Because it's abrupt. Yeah. Because he's talking about the music. Right. And he turns around. Because he's walking away from them, and then he turns around to say it. It's out of nowhere, too. <laughs> like, don't just stare at it. Eat it. Yeah. And, um... Like, he's then, annoyed that it hasn't started yet. Like, you should have known what was right, going right. on in my mind. And he's got to uh, direct them. Yeah. And tell them what to do. And then, obviously, it goes into the sex scene, and it's Bale, uh, uh, you know, looking at the mirror, flexing, uh, Patrick Bateman, uh telling them what to do. Like, look, look, look at the mirror. Look at the camera. Look at the camera. And he continues to flex. And then... You know, it culminates in the off-screen, you know, what you think could be murder, but then it just, he tortures them. And it's this whole disturbing, uncomfortable, awkward, you know, scene. Pays them, get out, close the door. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I just, it's yeah. it's filmed the certain way. It's made meant to make you feel uncomfortable. It's disgusting, disturbing, funny. Um, and you have all these different, like, emotions going through you as, like, you, he's despicable and you like you feel terrible and then at the same time you like like him too yeah but like it's it, it's funny like he is genuinely one of like you're like why do i like this son of a bitch <laughs> right yeah, like he's disgusting he's, disgusting. Yeah. he's yeah. awful he's a misogynist and he's a pig and he's but that's christian bale's performance right you know? like yeah it's just so. it's a great performance all right i think we're we should wrap it up now yeah. right i think <laughs> covered we're done. It sh- yeah, sufficiently I think <laughs> 
Um, uh, just so you guys know, uh, we didn't mention it last week, but you can find us at uh, Cutthroat Sin Pod on Twitter. And you can find us on Instagram at Cutthroat underscore cinema on um, Instagram. On Instagram. Oh, I'm sorry. Cutthroat Sin Pod is on Twitter. My bad. Uh, and you can find me, uh, Oh the Horror, and that's double O double H the Horror on Instagram if you want to follow my personal. And if you want to follow my personal, it's Steel Lens Cinema. So that's Steel underscore Lens underscore Cinema on Instagram. And thank you for listening to our long uh, <laughs> American Psycho um, podcast. Yeah. Great comedy movie. Yeah. See you guys next week. Yeah, I have to return some videotapes. <laughs>